0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Theatre Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals.
0: I'm your producer, Jillian Huck, i almost said host again.
2: <laughs> and I've got a bit of a cold, not a cold, a sinus infection, I guess. We're just...
0: great. We're a mess, but we're doing great.
2: It's just all that mucus goes straight down on my vocal cords, but uh, you know it's all about placement. Put it up here, sounds good. Down here, then I sound even better.
0: Okay, what are we talking about today? <laughs> who? Who did we talk to?
2: This episode is with Ryan Redmond, who is the first hashtag Lady Olaf.
0: Lady Olaf in what?
2: In Frozen, the in musical. Frozen,
0: the musical.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was incredible to talk to. Um, I I really enjoy. Uh, side note, I really enjoy what Disney is doing with uh, the gender swapping of this role and and allowing... I mean, there's no reason why, why Olaf can't be played by uh, a
0: woman. They didn't even rewrite the audition material to be for a woman. It was just... Anyone can come. She said that both men and women were auditioning and they gave it to her.
2: No, no, no. She said she was the only woman. Oh, was she? Yeah. Yeah. So she she said she heart. as far I think she's I think so. She said she was the only woman I, that she was aware of, I think, that that was called in but um, they didn't rewrite the song into a key for her voice, for a female voice, until after she had gotten cast. And so, like, she went in, and and they actually were like, "How about this one?" Oh, no, let's take it down. Oh, how about this one? Okay, let's try it. So they actually rewrote it specifically for her after she got cast, um, which speaks to uh, one of the points I want to make is that she mentioned um, that she got she got a couple of her almost all of her Broadway shows from the same casting director, and and again, that just speaks to um, this business is about who you know.
0: Yep. Networking is important. Getting to know people, putting your face out there, saying hi, going to events. It's more than just being a talented performer. It's about being a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of make or break your career a lot of the times. But right. more often make it than not.
2: Yeah. So that same casting director called her up and said, you know, hey, let's, I want you to come in for for uh, for Olaf. And she said, I think you've got the wrong person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And it just, Ryan's really great at, at knowing the importance of being present and showing up both physically and mentally and saying yes to opportunities and just going for it and be in there and saying, yeah, let's do it.
2: That was something that actually did surprise me when she said it. I, and when we asked her, she said, what well, was something And part of the closing questions well, was something you would tell your younger self and others. And she said, you know, be present and show up. And I thought, I thought that she meant figuratively, like don't show up to an audition and just kind of half-ass it. And she said, "No, like physically, some people just don't even show up." and And this kind of this kind of harkens back a little bit to last episode with Joe Carroll because something he had said was um, was that if he, he he's afraid to try. And and so we remember we were talking about if you don't try, then you don't fail. And so it's just a, com- like a common thread here, I think, that's kind of carried through this this industry that I think a lot of people are just afraid to show up.
0: Well, it's also a matter of if you don't show up one place, you're they're going to know the next place. People talk to each other. You'll yeah. get a reputation. So have a good reputation and not a bad one. Right. Be
2: there. <laughs> be there and be here all the way till the end of this episode. Everyone, please enjoy this episode with Ryan Redman.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here
0: you go. One, two, three.
2: Originally from Atlanta, Georgia, she made her Broadway debut in 2012 in Bring It On, the musical, before appearing in If Then, followed by Jimmy Buffett's Escape to Margaritaville. She was recently featured in the world premiere of Ming Pfeiffer's Usual Girls at Roundabout Theater Company in New York and is now playing Olaf in Disney Frozen, the musical on Broadway as of February 19th. Ryan Redmond, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I want to start where we start. With most of our guests here on the podcast, I want to start at the at the very beginning. Tell me where you grew up. It's
3: a very nice place to start, yes. um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia,
2: um, Atlanta proper
3: not nah, Atlanta proper. I knew you were going to ask that. Um, I'm actually from Cumming, Georgia. Yeah. Mm,
2: ok mm-hmm. And is tell me geographically where that is?
3: <laughs> it's about an hour northeast of Atlanta proper.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's like my hometown. They're like, "Where are you from?" I say Wilkesboro and they're, they nobody knows where it is, but I'll yeah. say Raleigh, but really a couple hours right. west. Yes, I hear Yeah, you.
3: coming Georgia, the place to be.
2: And you tell me about your childhood though. I read that you are are one of 6 or one of 7. One you have of, six siblings.
3: I, I'm actually I mean it's complicated. I'm actually one of 8. Um but
2: Sur- surprised face.
3: Yeah, I know. Um my – I've got an older brother who is my only biological brother. I've got two half-brothers. two step-brothers and two step-sisters. Okay. So do the math yourself. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's eight. Um, that's eight. Yeah. Okay. I think so, right? That's eight. It's a lot. It's a lot for me to keep track
2: of. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then in coming Georgia, what was the arts and theater scene like?
3: Um, well, actually, when I uh, – in my younger years, I actually played very competitive softball. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. Um, and I traveled all over the place playing. And we moved to a new school in a new school district uh, my eighth grade year. And I somehow, I wish I could remember how, but I just got the idea. I was like, I want to try out for the musical. No idea. I was fearless and... um uh, that I don't know. It just it was so, it's so funny to me to think back now that as a 13 year old awkward girl, I was like, oh yeah, let me try this thing that I've never done before, and it's like on a stage in front of people. Um, but they were doing Annie, and uh, I basically just listened to Andrea McArdle over and over again, tried to copy her voice, um, and I was like, I got this in the bag. I went in and sang maybe. Um, And then the next day, the cast list came out, and I was Mr. Bundles. I got cast as Mr. Bundles, (laughs) the laundry man. (laughs) And I had three lines. Um, It was devastating because I thought for sure that I was going to be Annie. It's your first taste of rejection. Yep. Oh, yeah. Just setting me up um, for the life of the theater. Um, But I milked those three lines for all that they were worth. Um, And... Then I went to a high school that, um, I had really wonderful theater directors. Um, and I just sort of dove into it. And, um, Miss Denny, who was my freshman theater director, um, we were doing a production of Cinderella and she, I remember her telling me, everybody look at Ryan, watch Ryan, watch what she's doing. I must've been doing something outrageous and bold, making a bold choice, I imagine. And, um, that was the first moment where I was like, okay, I'm being noticed. This is this makes me happy to make other people laugh. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be really, really fun for the rest of my life. And softball is not gonna last for the rest of my life. So um I I pursued it and we did so many musicals um in high school, and I joined up with this foundation that's super near and dear to my heart. just called the Broadway Dreams Foundation. Mm -hmm. And um, I was at their inaugural um, intensive in Atlanta, which started in Atlanta. And um, I grew up with that program. And um, this woman, Kate Guyton, was one of the teachers. And she had gone to NYU, and I just saw myself in her. I was like, I want to be what like she is. She's actually who Kate Monster in Avenue Q was written after. She was, was modeled after this woman, Kate Guyton. Really? And Yeah, and I just— I, She was just such a beautiful soul. She taught at NYU, and I just got it in my mind that I was going to go to NYU. I was like, that's where I want to go. I'd never been to New York, ever, but I was like, that's where I got to go. And um, so I— I studied with Broadway Dreams. I did a lot of musicals in high school and um, caught the bug. And then it came time to audition for NYU. And uh, my family is not rich by any means. So my poor mother was like, honey, we're not going to be able to afford NYU. (laughs) And I would just cry and cry and cry. And all I wanted to do was go. I just, that's all I wanted to do. And I'm sure. Now looking back on it, she was just probably so heartbroken because it's so expensive, and um, I and it just I was I was so upset. And finally, I, I um, she she let me apply, and she was like, "You can apply, but you know, we, we can't make any promises." So I end up getting in, and then I just begged and begged and begged for us to go visit. Um, and they we scrounged things together, and I got to go up and visit. And um, I got to uh, the the visitor's weekend or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. And um, part of that program, I guess, or the welcome, is go you going to the financial aid office and just, like, speaking to somebody to see what you got. And it turned out that I got almost a full ride to NYU, except for housing— and we we're, I was just like crying and wow, <laughs> the on the Lower East Side, and we because I don't know how, why at that point we didn't know, yeah, that seems what weird. Financial aid, maybe, maybe we were just naive to the process and it didn't look, and it's like it was like a whole like online portal, maybe we, I don't know, but it was it was like out of a movie, like we were like running out of the financial the bursar's office, and like, <laughs> <laughs> and I got I got a lot of money um towards my. Tuition and that was that. My wow. mom was like, "You were a kid in a candy store." When we got there, I knew that that was that was goodbye.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And are they still down in Atlanta?
3: Yeah, they are.
2: Or coming, coming Georgia? Coming. I, yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: Um. Uh, yeah, they're all still there.
2: That's incredible. I. It, it seems weird to me that you didn't know what financial aid you got. I, know, I thought that right? would be part of the process. I. It's been <laughs> so long since I've applied to college. I'm I know, trying to me think too. back about about when I did it because I got some financial aid too. And I, I right. I can't remember. Oh well, it's irrelevant. <laughs> but um uh, I guess what what did you what did you do to prepare for your audition? You, you kind of glossed over that in the story. Oh, for like, my oh, audition, were you? Yeah, he's like I I audition, um, I got in.
3: Well, I I had a well, it, Oh gosh, I can't speak. Um I had a monologue coach because you had to have two monologues. So Diane Sleek, I love her. Um I Probably had a few voice lessons. I never really took a ton of voice lessons in high school. I was just loud and almost like yelling everywhere, so I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't really take many voice lessons. I probably should have taken more. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I I think I auditioned in. We had to fly. So it wasn't New York. I think I auditioned in California. It's one of those like no unified round. yeah situations. Um, but my uncle is out in LA and. He's always been super supportive, and he got me out there and auditioned there, took me to the audition. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I probably should have done a lot more preparation. I think I, I also—I remember my song selections were um, Gimme Gimme from Thoroughly Modern Millie, LOL. And um <laughs> Days of Plenty from Little Women. I don't know if you're familiar with Marmee in mm-hmm. that show, but she's like 65-year-old woman, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I, I won my like sophomore um like we had this thing called Thespian Conference and we did a one-act <laughs> production of Little Women and I played Marmy. So I was like, obviously I'm gonna sing Days of Plenty for uh for college audition and it's so low, it's like, I want two days of plenty. Like a seventeen year old girl had no business singing that song. But somehow somebody saw past that. Wow. At NYU.
2: Well that that's incredible. So you didn't prepare much. <laughs> no. Sang completely age appropriate songs, yep. still got in, then now you're at NYU and did it. Was it easy for you to kind of fall in or was it like sort of culture shock to, you know, be in New York and be part of this, like, very high-profile school?
3: No. I mean, I got there and, again, like, I I was so fearless as a child. I like to think I have some of that now still. But, you know, as you get older, you're like, dang, I wish I just had, like, threw all shits to the wind and, like, still had that, you know, that verve. But, Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, I got there, and I just, like my mom said, I was a kid in a candy store. I started to thrive. I became a tour guide because that paid for some of my housing, Um, and then I became an RA. I just really, like, dove into every single thing about NYU, Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
3: and I I had an absolute blast. I really did, and I—but I just, yeah, like, I kind of did everything, and that really— was such a great stepping stone to living in New York. I teach a lot of um, college uh, age or, you know, preparing for college age kids now. And I can't imagine going to school somewhere that's not in New York and then coming to New York after, you know, you've just done four years of musical theater school or theater school or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. But then just coming to New York and being thrust into this crazy city and... um, yeah, it's, I, I, it was a really good stepping stone being in New York. And because I was at NYU um, and in New York is the reason that I booked Bring It On and during my school year, mm-hmm. and, uh, my, during my um, time at NYU and oh. left.
2: Yeah, well, before we get to that, which we will, I just want to ask, um, what, what did you give tours of? The school or did oh. you like New York tours?
3: Uh, no, of, of NYU. Oh. I, gave to their, um, I gave tours to prospective students. Oh, yeah,
2: what, so. What's a fact that I don't know?
3: Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, NYU's football team is undefeated. Ever? Because they don't have one.
2: Oh. Nah. I should not um, know that. I'm not a football. Not, uh, I don't do the pig skins. I know. Me, me yeah. either.
3: Um, also, they're like, their division three, I think, in every sport, except for fencing, their division one.
2: Whoa. <laughs>
3: I don't know if that's still accurate, but that was 10 years ago. Well, no. Yeah, ten years. They
2: should do competitive monologuing. Oh God! See, I don't know. That like, like terrible. I know it sounds horrible, <laughs> but like a, a competitive monologue where you have to make up a monologue on the spot, or it's like like an extension of the debate team, but you have to. <laughs>
3: I'm sure. I'm sure there is something like that. You should pitch that. You. you should okay. go back.
2: Go back to the Ryan Redmond uh, monologuing right. inspired wing of of Tish. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so bring it on. Um, Let's see. So you've, you made your Broadway debut in that, but Mm -hmm. before that you originated the role of Bridget in the reading, the workshop, the world premiere, the national tour, and then the Broadway production. Yeah. So what, when was the reading? When did that start?
3: The, uh, so the foundation that I, um, love Broadway Dreams was doing their first New York showcase, which is essentially, um, they take the best students from the cities that they uh, taught in all summer, and they bring um, they bring everybody to New York to put on a showcase for agents and casting directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was singing at that um, at, a, at that concert in I think it was I want to say it was November of two thousand and ten. Um, and Bernie Telsey was at that concert, and I was singing "Somebody to Love" by Queen. And he he was there, and he was like, "This girl needs to come in for this new show." Um, and that new show was bringing on. I went in the next day um, for like that entire creative team, which thank God I didn't I, I didn't know who they were because I would have pooped my pants. It was Lynn Manuel, it mm-hmm. was Jeff Woody, it was Andy Blankenbuehler, it was Amanda Green, it was um, Alex Lacamoire, all. Just geniuses, but I went in there and sang. Um, they asked for an RB uh song, and I went and sang the beginning of going along my trajectory of singing incorrect things for things. <laughs> um, I sang the beginning of Skid Row from Little Shop <laughs> when love goes off at seven, And you stopped. Like it no, you should never sing that for an audition A, because it doesn't have an ending. It just goes into, then you go downtown. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no ending. Like, you can't resolve it. Right. it it's so silly. It's so silly. And, um, but clearly they, they saw past that. <laughs> um, and uh, I booked the reading, which happened, happened to fall in my holiday break from NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was my, after my first semester of my junior year and I did it in the break and then I had to go back to school after that and I was like, I don't want to go back to school. I want to do Broadway. Um, But then uh, Rachel Hoffman who cast the show and who is a dear friend now and she casts Frozen. um, She's actually cast three out of four of my Broadway shows. Um, So we can say that we love her. Yes. We love her so much. Um, She, uh, she called and was like, you, you're gonna need to leave school. You know, not saying but saying. Um, because, you know, she knew the trajectory yeah. and it was such a good team and she knew it was gonna uh it was gonna continue on and do a, a production at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, which mm-hmm. was so cool. My first I was like, of course my first professional job is back to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was so cool to do that in my hometown. Pretty much anybody I ever knew got to see me play that part. And um, and then we did a national tour before we went to Broadway um, for nine months, which was so cool. Just I was like 21 on a national tour with all like 30 of my other closest 20-year-old friends. We just were debaucherous and had the best time. We went to really cool cities. It was only 13 cities. So it was like San Francisco and L.A. and... Um, Chicago and just, like, all the really good ones. That's not
2: usual, though, to do out-of-town tryout and then a tour and then Broadway. Why did they do the tour before Broadway?
3: Um, You know, it is kind of unusual. It's happening more. And now, like, Margaritaville, we did a pre-Broadway tour is what they called it. It was short, but it was two months long. Uh, I think it's just a good way to garner uh, a following before you get to Broadway. Um, It was... The show was geared a lot towards um, a younger demographic and... I think um, Kristen Kasky and Mike Isaacson, who were some of the producers um, who I love so much, um, I think they they wanted to just sort of garner this, you know, this base throughout the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. before we got to Broadway. That's,
2: you said the reading was in 2010, right? Yes. So that's two years from reading to Broadway in mm-hmm. August 2012. Yeah. That is not long. I've, you know, stories... A Broadway a show shows coming to Broadway take like five, five, six, seven, eight years.
3: Yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, I think it was quick because the team was so stacked. Um, they knew that the product was gonna be good and um they they just kind of fast tracked it. It was Whoa. so it was so exciting. Like the the cheerleading on the stage was so impressive. So I think they were just like We know it works. It's you know got Lin Manuel raps and hip hop and Mm. Tom Kit soaring ballads and you know it just it was a recipe for success.
2: Love me some Tom Kit. Me, yeah. And then after after that, you were performing alongside Idina Menzel and Anthony Rapp and Lashans in the original cast of If Then. Yeah. And that was down in D.C.
3: We started in D.C. Yeah.
2: And so, how long? How long between D.C. and New York for that?
3: Um, we were in D.C. I think it was like four months prior to us starting. Also, um, oh, not very long.
2: So that was no, the that was the standard out of town trial. I might, I might be lying
3: to you. I should probably look that up.
2: It's okay. This but, is the internet. Don't believe anything you heard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Look fine. it up on Wikipedia.
2: That's right. Which has your age wrong?
3: Which has my incorrect age? Everyone.
2: You want to set the record straight here? I'm
3: 29 years old, born in 1989.
2: Wikipedia. I'm sorry that I'm so mad about it. Well, you said it keeps getting changed <laughs> It back.
3: does. Someone keeps <laughs> changing it.
2: It's some evil person who's yes. like, I'm going to make her two years old. Yeah, That's so Sabotage. weird. Sabotage. It's so weird. Like once you round 30. Not that there's anything
3: wrong with being 31, but.
2: Yeah, what are you talking about?
3: I, I like to get there.
2: I'm well beyond 30. <laughs> eight, um, eight years beyond.
3: But yeah, there wasn't that much time between DC and um, the Broadway. The Broadway.
2: Um, do you prefer the out of town st- tryouts like does is it a nice break from leaving for to leave new York for a little bit? like i personally um, just i'm kind of like all right new york i'm I'm kind of done with you for like a month
3: <laughs> yeah it's cool it's cool to see what a different audience uh how a different audience receives um mm. the show and it's kind of nice to figure out all the kinks and stuff before you get to the harsh criticism of New York City. Um, but yeah, it's fun to... All the critics are British. Yeah, yes. all of the critics are British yes. in New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's nice to, you know, test out the waters elsewhere and it's fun to be in a different city with all your friends.
2: And all your expenses paid to be debaucherous. Exactly. That's right. That's all I I do Theater. love D.C., though. That's it's not fun. true at all. <laughs> it's very serious, actually, the out-of-town tryouts. I've... I've heard of i mean shows kind of get completely reworked you know between oh yeah between the out-of-town tryouts and coming yeah. here and that the sets change and even i mean like even coming from london to here i think one of the biggest examples i know of is uh, was charlie and the chocolate factory because mm-hmm. like they dropped entire sets
3: mm-hmm.
2: and didn't bring them over it was like almost a different show but yeah um, yeah
3: frozen's the only show that i didn't start from the very beginning out of all my my entire career
2: well, we will get to Frozen. In between, <laughs> if then, and Frozen, yes. is Jimmy Buffett's "Escape to Margaritaville." It sure is. So you were in the from the beginning with that too.
3: Yeah, I did. Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm lying. Um, I did a workshop, and then we did the pre-Broadway um, try. I did not do the La Jolla production, um, but I did the pre-Broadway run, and then on Broadway. And am I? By me start not starting, um, or by me saying that I developed them. I'm saying my other shows. I've opened them. Yes, on on the Broadway. Yes, but if then and bring it on. Start from the reading.
2: So I saw I saw the final preview um, of of Margaritaville when oh. Jimmy Buffett came out and surprised yeah. everyone I'm playing in curtain call. Uh, was it different for you working with some like a a, a pop star a pop artist like? Would you call Jimmy Buffett pop? What do you call Jimmy Buffett? Yeah, well, he's
3: he is... a, he's a, yeah, I guess you'd
2: call him a pop star. He's right. popular. Oh, pop. Okay, so Jimmy Buffett, the pop star versus, like, Anthony Rapp, Idina Menzel, Lin-Manuel. Yeah. Like, those are not, well, Lin is pop and Idina's got he, a pop no, album yeah. now. Um, <laughs> but you see the difference in the Yeah, clip? yeah, yeah
3: totally. Um totally. It was amazing. He is the nicest person in the entire world. The nicest, richest person in the entire world. <laughs> 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 um but he was—he uh, was throughout our entire developmental process. He was there very frequently, and you can just tell how much he loves his fans so much, and how much they love him. It's one of the, the craziest things I've ever seen: as a, a parrothead audience. Yeah, they're so loyal, and they just love him so much, and they love his music. They know every single word. Oftentimes, we just we could have just given it over to the audience in the show because they knew every single word.
2: Oh yeah, people around me were singing,
3: singing yeah. everything. Yeah. It was crazy, but he's so so kind and was um it was super generous throughout the entire process and um it was it's it's nice to see people in that light, people who you you know think are up on this humongous pedestal and um he was just so happy to have his musical being produced and performed Mm -hmm. he he grew up loving broadway and uh, his mom loved it so much and it just was such a full circle moment for him and that came through in every interaction we ever had and he's he's a cool guy
2: that's fun yeah that's very fun um and then i guess on the on the downside, it uh, it was admittedly a short run.
3: It sure was.
2: How does a cast... Actually, I don't even think I know specifically, but for those who don't know, how does a cast receive news of closing?
3: Um, it depends. In this case, we... Uh, our producers called a meeting before one of our performances in, um, I think it was early June. Either early June or the end of May for a July 1st closing. And they... They gather um, everybody in the theater and you kind of know because the crew is called, the dressers are called, the house staff is called, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, oh gosh. And we could see the houses dwindling uh, each day and we kind of saw it coming, but um, they were always very transparent about, we had had like a few weeks prior, we had a meeting with them and they said that they would check in always and- that they were doing everything they could to push it. But um it was it was quite sad because a lot of people thought it was gonna last a lot longer than it did, and Jimmy thought it was gonna last a lot longer than it did. Um But speaking of critics, I just I think somebody poisoned the waterhole and someone didn't wanna like it, and people just started forming their opinions based on, yeah. on what other people said without even seeing the show, because and people came in with goggles on that and they were it was like judging apples and peppers, I think. And like we weren't claiming to be this deep Shakespearean drama, you know what I mean? Like it, it was just happy go lucky. People had so much fun doing it. People had so much fun watching it. And um, that's all it was meant to be. It was meant to be the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle, which is laid back, chill, and just happy-go-lucky and that's what it was Mm -hmm. and um yeah I don't I think the the New York audience it it didn't quite grasp that I don't know I don't know what it was but we definitely didn't think it was only going to last two and a half months Mm -hmm. it was shocking
2: yeah yeah I was I was actually surprised to see see it close that early too because I enjoyed it I enjoyed it a lot I saw it and it know it knows it knew what it was exactly Yeah, it's like you said, it was very laid back. It was kind of like, "Eh, you know, we're making, we're a Jimmy Buffett musical. This is, this is, you know, writers,
3: Michael Malley and Greg Garcia are some of the funniest guys that I know. Like, it was so, it was catchy and, and obviously with Jimmy's music and it was super irreverent and, you know, making fun of itself at Mm -hmm. times. And like, I feel like that's such a fun, a fun part of our, our musical theater. Psyche is that like you can have that, and then you can also have Dear Evan Hansen, and you can also have the band's visit, and and you can also have Margaritaville. Room for everything. Well, I I love it when stuff makes fun of itself. Right. That's that's, you know breaking the
2: better. It's breaking breaking the fourth wall in a way that like just makes me want to keep coming back. Exactly.
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Um, so then that closed, moved on to frozen. Yeah. The, you're Olaf, Olaf, which is traditionally played by a man. Sure is. And this is a gender switch. It's very incredible. Yeah.
3: So cool. congratulations. on being the
2: first woman ever to play this iconic role. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Gosh, how does it feel? How does it feel for you? Like when you first got the call just the, to come in an audition, what was that? What was that like?
3: Um, I thought my agents sent me the wrong appointment first. And I called them. I was like, Jed, I think you gave me the wrong appointment. And then I thought I was being punked. Uh, I was like, this can't be <laughs> real. Because my breakdown mm-hmm. still said baritone. Tenor. It still said he. It, still, it had the song and the male key. Um, so I was like, this must be a mistake. Must be. Um, my agent was like, no, they, I wish I could say that we pushed you for this too, but they asked for you. I don't really know. I have to find out who asked for me, but I'll have to thank them later. Um, someone did. And yeah, I went in and, uh, primarily my first two rounds were with Adrian Sarpel, who's the associate director, who's lovely and Mm -hmm. super smart. And, um, he helped me through the entire process and, each step, because it was a lot of steps. Because I'm sure a lot of people had to sign off on this immense change. And mm-hmm. um, I'm so glad that they did. I never thought in a million years it was going to happen. I was like, okay, there's going to be somebody that's like, okay, maybe we're not ready for a female Olaf yet. Yeah. For whatever reason. Um, and that was not the case. I, I am the lady version.
2: Do you know? Do you know if they were auditioning only women as a replacement, or if they were doing auditioning men? No, and women? there's
3: always other boys uh, in the audition. Wow! With me. Yeah. Wow!
2: Yeah, that's incredible. They might have auditioned other women,
3: but I never saw any other women. Huh?
2: Wow! That's that. No, that speaks. That speaks a lot I too. Mean, whoever who asked knows? for you, whoever asked for <laughs> Ryan, please let us know. Yes. Feedback at thetheaterpodcast dot We'll we'll, we'll let you know.
3: Name yourself.
2: So then, uh, when when you got it. Like where were you when you got the call, do you remember? Um
3: yeah, I was I was doing usual girls at the roundabout and um it was a 2 show day and I'd been in that morning for my final callback um which seemed like it had 45 people in the room. It was like all of Disney theatrical, all of the writers, all of the crea- like every creative team, probably a lot of assistants, I would imagine, um cast like it, I've never been in a larger room. Um and uh, I had gone in that morning and basically just, you know, presented my audition to everybody who hadn't seen it yet. Mm. And... Um,
2: was it with the Olaf puppet or were you just sitting um, in or Well, doing...
3: I, I did it first without the puppet because um, the rehearsal puppet is built... It was built around Greg and it's um, not as nice as the show puppet just because mm-hmm. they figured out as along the way what um, was ergonomically correct and... Mm-hmm. Um, so they knew going in that I wasn't going to succeed with that puppet just because my body wasn't made for it. Mm-hmm. My body wasn't made for it. It wasn't made for my body is what I meant to say.
1: <laughs> my body wasn't
3: made for it. Um, <laughs> um, so I did like the scene before in summer into the song in summer um, without the puppet. And then I they put me into the puppet and Tom Schumacher had me just play around and take some direction. And um, he was like, pretend like you see something on to the right and then pretend like you see something to the left and like get scared of it. Um, get scared of something. He was just seeing if I could take all these, um, these directions and I did it. And then he was like, okay, do it one more time. And just, you know, like throw caution to the wind. Like, it's okay. You're not going to break. Like, I think I was being a little tentative with him because it's this large apparatus and I didn't want to break it. Um and I did it one more time and his head fell off of my hand onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And then Tom was like, "See, you were fearless," and that I think that's what he wanted to see. (laughs) And I was like, "Yeah," like literally flew off, like carrot to the ground, carrot nose to the ground, and I was like, "Cool, great job, Ryan, great job." Yeah. (laughs) Well, obviously, Um, and then I got the call between shows that day, um, a few hours later, and it was. Crazy. I was screaming, crying down 8th Avenue. Um, Really? People were like, what is happening with that girl? Um, I was calling my mom because she obviously was part of the whole process each way and just so thrilled. We've loved Frozen from the moment it came out because I was, um, when we were doing If Then, Adina, it was like right at the start of when the movie came out. Mm -hmm. And um, when we were in DC, she rented out a movie theater for us to all go see it and watch her um, so f- from the beginning of the movie coming out, my family's just loved it. And I've got a niece that loves Olaf and, um, we've loved it too because we sort of went through that journey with Adina. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, that.
2: Yeah. If then was you were with Adina when the popularity just exploded. Yeah. It just
3: exploded.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. That's made like what a bazillion dollars now in the box office. It's yes, been, it's it, been incredible.
3: That's um, accurate number a bazillion
2: bazillion how did you make the role yours because you've got greg you've got greg hildreth right yeah. That you took you replaced took over mm-hmm. from and then you've got josh gad from the movie so yeah. so and this and the song itself like you said was written in a mail key mm-hmm. so how did it become yours
3: um well brian youssefer who is our music director conductor um Worked with me a lot just to figure out what key would uh, was comfortable for me and what would sit well in my voice, and um, it was trial and error. We, the, there was a super high one that we were like, okay, this could be. It's funny because it could be operatic, um, and then there's the one that I'm currently doing, which is super belty, and like I feel very, really confident when I'm I've got this puppet on attached to me, and um, I can just really belt it out because I feel like that's truly his um his MO, Olaf. He just loves to be funny and loud. And um yeah, I sort of just like how how would you say I created because I because I I started without the puppet. Um I just feel like I had all of, you know, my predecessors in a little amalgamation. And I took from that what I wanted to and um I also just you know, ap- upon meeting the puppet, uh, Lorenzo, who is our movement coordinator, spent a lot of time with me just talking, uh, having conversations with people with the puppet and finding what his expressions meant to me and how he reacted to things. And it sort of just organically came out of that. And um, we just, I we had uh, Michael Grandage, our director, is there today, actually. And he would seen the show and was giving us notes. And he was just saying how um how lovely it is to see each of the, our new uh, cast members new take on the roles and he mm-hmm. said it's so fun to see a show that you you thought that you knew so much and see it in a completely not completely but he's like it's fun to see different moments that that weren't there before and i think that's such an homage to that what how good the show is and um an homage to the previous cast members who are also so wonderful in their own right um but yeah, it's been, and I'm still, I'm still discovering what my Olaf is. Yeah, okay, you're only a couple weeks in. Yeah, I'm only three weeks in. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm finding, finding new moments each day, and the entire team has been super supportive of that. And it's never, it's never felt like I have to fall into a, mm-hmm. a, a stereotype or I fall into something that somebody else did. It's been all, all supportive of me finding. Um, what my Olaf is,
2: and Josh Josh Gad actually he he reached out to you when you got the role, didn't he? He
3: did. He sent me a video um, when I did a, a interview on on ABC, and he was congratulating me for the role and very supportive. And then he was like, "And also, Frozen Two is in post production, so uh, don't come for my role, okay?"
1: <laughs> and I was
3: like, "You know what? Watch out, Josh Gad. Lady you, Olaf's taken over. You got cut you sh- him out of the movie." No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you could you could be oh man they should like for Frozen three which I'm sure there will be because trilogies are the thing I hope so you could be like like uh, Olaf's long lost sister or or yeah. mother because you like to play you know the yeah the inappropriately bring older back women. my marmy days yes you're marmy <laughs> Olaf wa- warm hug yes <laughs> um, what is your favorite part of the role that you found so far is there a moment that you have or or a scene
3: um, my favorite part of the role is a good question. Um, obviously, in summer is so fun to do. Mm-hmm. I love the reaction of the audience when they see Olaf's summer dream come to life. It's it's so funny because I can hear it, and they're all just like <gasps> when they see his beach mm-hmm. setting come up. Um, that's super fun to see. Um, I love hearing people blurt out iconic lines from the movie. Sometimes that happens in the show.
1: Oh, you
2: hear it from yeah. the stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, I love that. Um, what else do I love? I love... Uh, I, I don't know. I just... I love figuring out each day something new and quirky about lot. He's got a lot of really fun one-liners. Um.
2: Yeah, well, you, you keep it... You got to keep it fresh. Yeah. You know, you find that, but you said the the audience is is speaking i guess unintentionally or unconsciously to you during the performance what has the actual feedback been you know you've been you've been doing this for a couple of weeks now but has there been like any any amazing feedback that you've heard at the stage door
3: yeah i i'd go to the stage door every night and it's the response has been so lovely um so many girls and women saying to me that it's so freaking cool to them that a woman is playing this part, and everyone has been so kind about it. Um, there's been just lots of love for Lady Olaf. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are just, and a lot of people tell me their stories about how they're like, Yeah, he doesn't, it doesn't matter what gender he is or what gender the person is playing with mm-hmm. him. Olaf is still a boy, but they're like, You know, it doesn't matter. You think about how many of our favorite cartoon characters our voy- boy car- cartoon characters are voiced by women. Bart like yeah. Simpson and Woody Woodpecker. And so I'm just giving my voice to him, but it's been super supportive at, at the stage door and fun for people to see that, uh, they don't have to be on or else If they don't want to, they can also be Olaf. I got the sweetest message on Instagram. This woman said her daughter was doing frozen and she wanted to be Olaf, but she can't be Olaf cause he's a boy. And then, the mom was like, "Well, I showed her your Instagram, and now that's all that she wants to be." I'm like, Aww. "Well, that's the reason for the season, folks. Like, that's so cool."
2: Yeah, that is so sweet. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, so, well, good luck in everything. Break many legs. I, I, I want to come see you in the uh, in the role. I haven't seen it since you're joining the cast. So, yeah, I'll let you know. Um, and the other things uh, that you're involved with. Tell me about. You mentioned this earlier, uh, the Broadway D- Dreams Foundation. What does that do?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that brings musical theater uh, intensives all over the world. Um, And uh, I started as a student there and sort of grew up with the program. And now I go back and I'm on the faculty and um, we, it's the week, it's usually a week long in the summertime. And um, we have very serious musical theater students who actually want to pursue this. And uh, we, half the week is uh, classes and the other half is preparing for a show at the end of the week where it culminates in them getting to perform alongside their, um, Broadway faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens now all over the world. Like I went to Russia with them and taught in Moscow. Um, they've go to Brazil, they go to New Zealand, Wow. um, um amongst all the other American cities that they go to. And, uh, it's true. It's a family that I've been with for almost 12 years. And, The woman that runs it, Annette Tanner, is basically like my second mother. And um, it's really cool seeing the program grow and Mm -hmm. um, seeing the next generation of musical theater performers. It's really exciting. How could people get involved? um, Go to BroadwayDreams.com, mybroadwaydreams.com, and check out for Near a City, in a City Near You. I won't be at any of them this summer. Sorry. I'm being Lady Olaf. But, uh, I'll probably pop into the New York Intensive, um, which is happening in June, I believe. Fun. Um, but yeah. And we are also,
2: also recently in uh, the Loveville High podcast. Yes. Yes. Podcasting. a fam- Musical podcast. Yeah, musical podcast. Yes. I, I was telling somebody at the end of last year, I said, 2019 I is the year for podcasts. Hence, you know, part of why I started this podcast. Because mm-hmm. it's the format people want to consume things in now. Yeah. And I, you know, being in New York, being in the Broadway scene, I said, "Listen, someone's going to write an original show, a serialized show, in podcast form with Broadway people." And literally a week and a half later, I got the press release oh. from High. I was you like, "You willed yeah, it into yeah, the universe." Yes, I did. There we go. And now, yeah, yeah David David Zilnick, uh, great man. I've interviewed a couple of people from. Oh, from cool. the podcast Yeah, it was already. super fun. Yeah, did so, it with
3: J. Jay John- Jay Armstrong. Right. Johnson. So
2: you were in episode three. Yes. And d- did you? Do you? I guess was that new for you to be in a in a VO booth, or do you like the Broadway in a booth versus Broadway on a stage?
3: Um, I love being in a booth. Um, I I've never done I've never done a voiceover, but it feels super right for me. So I hope it's in my future. Um, <laughs> I love I love just being able to figure out what you can convey with just your voice. It's so intriguing to me. Um, but that was super fun. It was a short day. We kind of had to do it pretty quickly um, just to knock out the recording, but um, it was fun to sing with Jay, and it's cool to not have to worry about what you look like. Um, I live in, uh, in musical theater land where you have to be on all the time, but not in a voiceover.
2: Nope.
3: Nobody cares. They just imagine.
2: They just press record and edit out the bad parts. Right now,
3: parts. I am we- No, just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're sitting here in our underwear. I right. really appreciate this. this. This is making me more comfortable. Exactly. Um, I was looking at the special skills on your, on your resume. Oh, God. Um, of course, basic cheerleading is on there obvi- for obvious reasons. I need reasons. to change this.
3: That is so old.
2: Well, can you still do ventriloquism? I sure can. Inside child... Child inside mouth mm-hmm. is listed. What does that mean?
3: Okay, I'm going to have to back it up from the
2: microphone.
1: I it out.
2: What? Wait, for she just did all of that without opening her mouth.
3: Yeah, I feel like on the on a podcast, it's probably they're probably gonna be like, what well, she just what what's happening? But
2: you, your, <laughs> your lips didn't open. No, they didn't. I guess that's kind of incredible. Yeah, that, that's
3: probably the only special skill that can stay on my resume. Everything else is like So
2: burping on command. Oh,
3: I can do that still.
2: Do, can you can you burp child inside mouth?
3: Hmm. No, because a burp, your mouth needs to be open.
2: Well, you can come out, come out your nose.
3: Okay, now, now you're getting outrageous. <laughs> well,
2: considering that we're probably listening to this with uh, with earphones in, I'm not going to ask you to burp on command. Yeah. Um, and then, what is extreme knowledge of IPA? Are you talking <laughs> the- about beer?
3: No, but that's really funny. I never thought of it that way. IPA is the International Phonetic Alphabet.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. So okay, okay, if I'm given
3: an accent that I need to do, I'm I'm able to phonetically learn it um, through the International Phonetic Alphabet.
2: Maybe maybe put a link on your on your resume to what IPA is because I'm so, like, all that's right, that's a we'll really sit, good idea. We'll to sit here and talk beer for a second, but yeah, but maybe
3: now that I'm older. I can say that I do. Or maybe I should get a, a better knowledge of IPA. Maybe. Or take it off my resume. Because
1: <laughs> I honestly don't know how
3: good I am at it now. It was my college days. Well, we probably voice and speech class. Probably come back.
2: Right. Um, well, let's wrap up here. And before we, before we wrap up, we always ask everybody on the podcast three standard questions. First one is, what motivates you?
3: <sighs> what motivates me? Laughter.
2: Getting it or making it? Both. I guess it's the same thing. Would it be the same thing?
3: Getting laughter.
2: I meant you laughing or making others laugh.
3: Making others laugh primarily, but if you can make me laugh, great. All right. Also a plus.
2: Okay. (laughs) What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path?
3: I would tell younger people or myself to... Always be kind. Um, if you are wanting to pursue this business, everyone's always says it's about who you know and that's accurate. And I've every almost every job I've ever gotten is because uh, I worked with somebody on the project prior. and um, I think that is a really good rule of thumb to live by. Why not be nice? It's really not that hard. Um, and work begets work. And I think that's what I've really striven for in my entire career. And so far it's, it's working. Yeah. So be nice, be kind and show up to work. Always but, show up.
2: Do people not show up?
3: You'd be surprised. Not at Frozen. Frozen.
2: Frozen, yeah. Frozen's got the most punctual everyone, cast. Everyone shows up at Frozen. <laughs>
3: no, people don't. Not, and by show up, that's like a, a general, like, show up, be be prepared. Know what you're doing. You mean metaphorically? Yeah, metaphorically. No, but actually me- actually showing up would be helpful, too. <laughs> I
2: was like, Idina just didn't show up for if, then, again. No. I guess, uh, okay. Sorry, Idina.
3: <laughs> no, she Called always showed up.
2: I'm sure she did, yeah. Well, I, the most successful people, they're there. They're present. They're in the moment. Yeah, that's. I think that that's what you mean. Yeah, just be there when you're there. Be there physically and emotionally. Yeah, and then final question: If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what show would you see?
3: (gasps) Um, it. Oh gosh, one show. That's so hard. I probably have to say, the color purple.
2: Really. Why is that?
3: I love the music in that show so deeply. Um, I think it's a beautiful show. It's either that or LOL Legally Blonde. I love Legally Blonde.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: I think it is so underrated. I love that show. I think it's hysterical. Original
2: cast with Orfe. Yeah. Of course. I love Orfe. Yeah. She's been on this podcast. I love her. She's wonderful. So we can get you, find you on social, Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Reds. That's Ryan with two N's and ryanredmond.com and your Facebook fan page. The fan page doesn't have a URL. Do you run the fan page or is that somebody else?
3: (laughs) I think I run the fan page. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes my mom does it.
2: Okay. All right. What does it need? A URL? Well, it's like facebook.com slash lots of random numbers. It doesn't have a custom.
3: How do you do that?
2: uh, You just like click a button and say, give it a name. Give it a URL. Oh,
3: good to know. Learn something new.
2: Yeah. So I... I, I, we were looking for it
3: no, no go on my Instagram you'll <laughs> you'll see everything you need to know on there
2: alright you <laughs> can get more of me and the theater podcast at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter facebook.com slash official theater podcast listen and uh, wherever you're listening subscribe please rate review like and share spread the word it helps others find the podcast it helps others hear about amazing content like uh, this interview with Ryan Redmond we are produced by Jillian Hockman thank you to our friends Jukebox the ghost for the the intro and outro music once again, Ryan. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. This has been so fun.
0: Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful.